DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, David James, PK, how are you? Good. PK, I was just thinking that song's perfect for you. Another, another, uh, another hit, Learning to Fly. I could hear you up on stage. Yeah, I worked with TP in the Heartbreakers back in the day. Miss Tom. Yeah, I did too, man. Yeah. TP. DJ PK TP. Just yeah. all flows. All do. flows. <laughs> it do. It do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Bowler, let's get right to the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. When there is a crazy NBA playoff game, and it's going back and forth, and teams are dropping runs on each other, and one of the national broadcasters advises us to bo- buckle up. What is your immediate reaction? Uh, I should get a nickel per uh, per uh, per se per comment. I think uh, again, I do appreciate the tweet. Uh, I, I, it's too late to trademark that. Obviously, other broadcasters use it. I guess uh, it does upset me. No, I'm kidding. Now, Tom, Tom's incredible. I, I love that game last night. Uh, man, wow! The fourth quarter, back and forth, thirty-five, thirty-three. Uh, points scored in the fourth. That was uh, that was. I'd pay money to see that one, personally. Yeah, I hear you. It was. Uh, I think the whole playoff has been exciting. A bunch of great games, left and right. Uh, one of the things that I've I've sort of been thinking about as it relates to the Jazz is the number of guys who are having big time uh, effects on winning ball games and they're not necessarily high picks. You need your studs at the top. I understand that, you know, and I think Mitchell is there. He's always if he's not there, he's certainly on his way and Gobert defensively is already there, needs to improve a little bit offensively. So the Jazz going forward as they want to improve, you know, a Tyler Hero who was the 13th wow. pick uh, Jimmy Butler ended the first round. You know the two best guys on Miami last night. Even out of, out of bio, uh, what was he? He was like twelve or something. I'd have to go back and double check. Yeah, he was mid. He was mid first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. So they're not necessarily built on these top two or three guys. So I know it's hard to find these. I don't want to call them hidden gems because they're still being taken in the first round. But guys who are underdrafted or undervalued relative to their draft position i happen to think there's every year there's more and more players that are really really good you got to go find those guys to supplement this roster because it's going to be top heavy uh, financially but go get those guys they're available so it's hard to do but it's doable and if you do it and you strike gold you can have a pretty good team yeah, you're you're spot on, PK. I, I can't tell you how many times you look at the top one through five draft picks that you look back and you shake your head and you go, "Wow, it just didn't work out." You know, you, they always would say, "Well, we took a flyer." Uh, mostly, they were they were centered around bigs at times, and or injury would take out uh, a player. A uh, Brandon Roy, you know, comes to mind too, who had talent, but. You never know what's going to happen in, in the long term. But, yeah, I was impressed with Tyler Hero. I mean, his comments in the postgame last night are spot on. That's who he is, you know, um, as he as he indicated. Um, and, you know, that's a confident kid. But, you know, I was impressed with him when we saw him just the one time this year. And, you know, out of Kentucky, I mean, well coached, but yet you just saw that he can handle the stage, you know, even though there's no one in 
you know, around the stage per se in the bubble, but he just seems to be comfortable on uh, when the time calls for him uh, to deliver. And maybe that's bolsterous coaching. Maybe that's the whole way of this Miami Heat team. I'm impressed with Miami, PK, and DJ. Boston seems a little stunned at times. Miami just, you know, they took two big punches last night uh, on those runs by Boston, but uh, they came back with a run of their own and almost felt like the officials. There were three calls back-to-back-to-back that they had to, you know, review and replay, and, you know, everything kind of fell in Boston's lap. Uh, but Miami held on uh, to win with the big three down the stretch. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun series. And uh, same with Denver and the Lakers, man. You look at guys who are stepping up, Jamal Murray and the Jokic, who people thought, again, was a, a roll-the-dice flyer-type guy, but he continues to impress me, man. I, I tell you, he makes some ridiculous shots, but he has confidence from outside for such a big guy. And then, the, the pick and roll ability and and his you know and, and his passing so yeah don't turn your back on guys just because they're not top five top ten players I think there's hunger there PK and DJ uh, there are many who believe they deserve better and I think that fuels them uh, on the floor when the other top five or ten believe they should have been there so they don't have as much drive that's my thought hunger is a good thing and professional sports because you want to prove some critics wrong along the way. So, Bowler, as you see the Nuggets' success, does this uh, should this depress Jazz fans because it could have been the Jazz, or should this encourage Jazz fans because, hey, if they're this close to the Nuggets and if the Nuggets could actually uh, pull this thing off, the Jazz aren't that far away, or... Hey, their series was their series, but it doesn't mean anything would have happened for the Jazz going forward. The Jazz could have lost to the Clips. We shouldn't be reading into this too much. Well, you you got to be thinking about the Jazz as you sit there and watch the Nuggets. Which of those storylines seems the most true? Oh, wow. Uh, I'd almost have to mix a couple, Stan. Um, you're upset as a Jazz fan, but also in... Uh, because you could, you can't say shoulda, woulda, but at the same time, throw that out the window. But I understand, I understand that emotion because I feel that at times too. Uh, with Bogdanovich, maybe it's all different, but we'll never know. So you got to get over that too. I'm hoping it's it's, it's kind of the middle one uh, or part of two and three, where you're angry but also you you are hungry. Uh, I keep going back to the word hungry. Maybe this is that motivator, those steps that you talk about people, the teams take uh, to, to get to levels one, two, three, and four. Denver has been there a little longer than the Jazz so as a team. So you hope that this is something that angers you enough to work harder and knowing that Bogdanovich and maybe offseason moves one or two Will will be that deciding factor. You know, we're always going to talk about this in the off season, unless you win a championship. And then if you do, yours probably the discussion would be how do you keep this team together? You know, with the salary cap and all that, uh, or who's going to leave and who's going to come in. But I, I still see good things with the Jazz, man. I mean, youth for one. And PK, you made a point. I mean, Jokic has the offensive ability that that really Rudy has not developed, and I think that's the one thing. The Jazz fans see, and the Jazz know that as well. I mean, yes, at the rim, he leads the league. Uh, so I'm going to get people who would argue at 70 percent at the at the at you know from the floor. But
but it's the ability to also spread the floor, take the shot outside, which is so important in the NBA today. And even a sweeping hook shot uh, would also give him another a weapon in in the arsenal, but I think that that's what's impressed me the most is that Jokic uh, has that ability. But then again, the argument would be when you, when Jokic goes up against Gobert, his ability to defend uh, the Joker, you know, sometimes negate his ability to do what he likes to do. So there's always a debate there. Both have great talent um, in different ways, and I think that's how you have to weigh it. But you know, I keep hoping he grows, you know, into into more of an offensive threat besides just at the rim. And I think those are things that uh, the Jazz are well aware of. And how do you also help this team, uh, you know, negate maybe his lack of offense from from the floor? Uh, and what player or two do you bring in to help, uh, you know, make make the Jazz even more potent offensively? So it's it's quite an equation, quite a discussion to have, man. So with the contract situations, you know, we know Conley's in his last year. Uh, Joe's winding down. You're always building, but at some point you put all your chips on the table. Do you yeah. think the Jazz will do that in this offseason? Yeah, that's a great question, PK. Um, you know, are they going to – the chips would include, you know, extensions um, uh, unless those players decide because of the salary cap maybe it doesn't uh, bode well for them and they wait, but – uh, I would think the Jazz want to get Donovan tied up as quick as they can. The discussion about Supermax is always going to be there until Rudy and the Jazz make a decision. Uh, Mike Conley's got $34 million. Um, you know, he, when he's healthy, uh, he intrigues me. I think, he's, I think he's definitely, I think he's definitely caught himself. I think he's definitely caught himself uh, in a much better situation. Here I'm listening, watching highlights of uh, last night's game, um, but it's um, you know it, it's uh, gosh that's a great question about throwing all the chips on the table. I still think there's still a chip or two they've got to uh, they they have to purchase <laughs> or or trade and obtain. Um, that's kind of the way I'm thinking. I, I don't know if you throw them all now that you get the the, the final results that you want. Uh, so I'm, I'm a believer that there's a chip or two that still has to be brought in to, to make this thing really uh, at the highest of level. And also maybe to appease Donovan and, and Gobert at the same time uh, to get that job done. So I get um, the appease thing, and uh, I don't know if it's appease, maybe encourage, but I get where you're going. It's, appease doesn't yeah. seem like right, the, the exact word. But, you know, when I come back and I, I watch this, and Tyler Hero's performance in Game 4 aside – a lot of these games have been defined by the greatness of the best player or the second best player. So as much as the best players always want the club to go out and be acquiring help, and you can't underestimate that, it really comes down to, Donovan, are you going to be able to do 50 when there's a crowd and there's all that adrenaline at home and all that adrenaline working against you on the road and maybe you're not getting calls? You know, this environment was different. Um but if he can go to that level, well, that's what it takes to get deep in the playoffs. So if he mm-hmm. can repeat that, as much as we obsess about the sixth, seventh, and eighth guy in the roster, and they do make a difference sometimes, without question, that top guy makes a big difference a lot of times. Uh, let's go back to uh, game three with the Lakers. 
uh, and the Nuggets because the night before, the two days before, Anthony Davis buries the three for mm-hmm. a win. And I'm just going to use the, analog- the analysis of Chuck Barkley, right, and Shaquille O'Neal. And that you saw that, I'm sure, just the back and forth about, no, he didn't think that Anthony Davis and LeBron James played that big a factor in game three. And you kind of stand back and go, what? Because the, the box score tells you differently. But his theory was, as a former player, is they brought no energy. Uh, and so the energy that you need uh, and uh, didn't impact the game in game three that Denver brought the energy, and reality they did. Um, and so that, that, that to me was an interesting point by Barkley, and sometimes you, you laugh at those two guys, but sometimes you, know, you really get a, an interesting comment, and I kind of pondered that for a while. And to your point, DJ, uh, yeah, you need the studs at the top, but you also need that support at times, like a Tyler Hero last night, or uh, I guess – you know, Butler, uh, you know, uh, at times for Denver, so or Jeremy Grant, pardon me. So um, it's, gosh, man, I tell you, it's, it's an interesting mix, in my opinion, on how all this works out. The chemistry for one, uh, but I still think even though you have the stars at the top, you have to have that supporting cast that can pick you up on different nights. And uh, the Jazz are trying to close in on that. And Jordan Clarkson's part of that, that equation, if they can resign him, right? So, yeah, you got to have the studs, but I still think you got to have some players that can help you in nights where you may not be at the top of your game. Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, join us. Uh, Bowler, I want to switch gears and talk a little football with you because I know yeah. you're following it. Oh, and yeah. there are some weird stories out there. A team doctor puncturing oh. a player's lung with a pregame painkiller. Have you ever heard of anything never. like that? Never. Never heard of that type of mistake being made. I mean, with all the injections that happen in college or NFL, I'm sure that you know the odds would finally catch up with you, right? Uh, you know, it took me back, DJ, to the old movie, remember North Dallas 40, uh, with Nick Nolte, uh, and it was a, betrayal, a, a portrayal of the Dallas Cowboys. Um and, you know, players taking the shot uh, to get on the football field. Uh, but, you know, man, I, I didn't realize, I think the comment was from the coach of the Chargers that most of the players take some injection prior to playing to numb the pain. And, look, we know this game is brutal, modern-day gladiators, but uh, I never heard of a, of a doctor making a mistake like that to puncture a lung to – to numb the effects of some some cracked ribs, that's scary. To be totally honest, I mean, um, what happens from here? I'm sure it's under investigation, right, by the NFL, you know, Association of Doctors, I believe, and probably the Players Association as well. But that's that's a scary one uh, to 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 really grasp the fact that just before kickoff your court your starting quarterback is sidelined because of a punctured lung due to the fact that the doctor gave you a pain shot that's that is a strange that's a strange one i feel like there's going to be a new doctor there i think there is yeah <laughs> or or that doctor is not going to be allowed to to inject anyone i yeah. i just don't know how that happens um but it did and it took a, a their their quarterback out 
but Herbert came in. I thought played ex- extremely well, man. By the way, against Kansas City. So, uh, but still, it's the factor of the health of the player, and that's what it all comes down to. And that just can't happen. It, it just cannot happen. You know, I feel like um, Herbert played well, but I don't feel like he played that well. They scored twenty points and they lost the game. Now he didn't line up behind the guard. The way John yeah. Elway started his career, and he didn't throw pick sixes, and he made a couple of good throws. So you can see the potential, and you can see why uh, you know they wanted him. And maybe it'll work out pretty quickly for him. Maybe one. I don't. I don't know what the career arc is going to be going forward. But it, it almost felt like uh, he benefited from really low expectations. And I honestly, I just can't help but think that comes from being in the Pac-12. And people didn't watch him play. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, you, you're you probably know, right. You know, it's like I mean, 20 yeah. points and you didn't win the regular season game. We've seen young quarterbacks in their second year in the AFC title game with the Patriots in overtime on the road. So let's not get too wound up about this young quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, under the circumstance, because he was like, uh, hey, get on the field right now because you're going to uh, start, yeah. I thought he handled that pressure situation pretty well. And he didn't really uh, – I thought he just played – what would you call it? it? He didn't make major mistakes for them to make – you know, uh, to, to really put them in the ditch. Right. But they, he just kind of kept them there and and uh, didn't do anything that spectacular. I thought he made some good passes at times and some good reads. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, it was, it was one of those moments where <laughs> – you, where's your helmet? Because you're going to start against yeah. the, you know the defending Super Bowl champions. That's that to me. I thought he kept his uh, kept his poise uh, fairly well under the circumstances. You know. See, I tried to I tried to chum the waters right there to get you bite on the Chiefs and nothing. You know, we've seen a young quarterback in an AFC title game. I thought you know you're a Kansas City kid. You're still a Chiefs fan. I thought you you didn't react at all. You just you well, just I'm trying to bait. you know maintain uh, my balance of uh, enthusiasm. At times, pal. <laughs> yeah, but that Mahomes kid, pretty good, you know. You think? Yeah, you know. Boy, what when he when he sprints, especially to his right, and his ability to throw on the run. I know it's a slingshot kind of a sidearm, but his 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 strength of arm, uh, arm strength, strength of arm, arm strength. <laughs> he's it is amazing. The guy has just a gunner. I mean, the guy can throw the football, and he's got some targets as well. Uh, Kelsey's. Uh, I love him as a tight end, and uh, the cheetah. Uh, you know, um, it's 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 a it's a interest. Their defense still scares me, and, and um, who doesn't every week? Who has a team they follow has concerns, but um, you know they get behind a lot. Uh, but they have the ability to come back, and you know sometimes that's that's just not going to work for you, as we all know. So uh, I'm curious if you've gone NFL tickets so you can see your Chiefs play every game or if you're aware that they're going to have 12 to 14 games on either over-the-air or basic cable TV, and uh, then you'll make other plans for the other games. Yeah, I make plans for other games, yeah. so uh, that's kind of the way I work it. Um, but I try to watch as much as I can, flip it here, flip it there, but I notice you keep us informed whether or not uh, the, the Broncos, the Niners, the Chiefs, uh, whoever, whomever may be on, so I, I try to keep track of. I post of the uh, I post the coverage maps, and I know you're into that kind of stuff. I know you I love coverage I, maps I, I because when I called those games, I always say, "Hey, hey, 
Uh, let me see the coverage map. Uh, we're 14% today, Bowler. Ah, oh, shoot. Okay, gotcha. You know, and then you knew Nance was going to always have uh, that that 60 or 52 percent of the country. Yep. Uh, yeah. But the, the exciting part was, uh, as it was back in the old days of the uh, NCAA tournament, when they all of a sudden in your headset said uh, the rest of the country is going to join you, and you go, "Whoa, big yeah. time! Here we go!" All right. Yeah. Well, it's the uh, it's the Raiders on CBS this week, and the Broncos are over on uh, Fox, and we're not going to see the Cowboys and the Seahawks because Fox chose the uh, the Bronco game. I don't think they did the local Fox station any affiliate when they scheduled those two into the same TV window on the same network. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's that the one hurt. that uh, makes you pull your hair out. Yeah, well, that's okay. It's going to happen to Channel Two in a couple. Hey, weeks what here. did you think of the Raiders' uh, new home? Uh, that that's the stadium. Um, I don't, you know, I can't get into this cause we've just had two games out of LA, right? The charger game. And before that, the Rams opener there and like an empty stadium. I want to see what it looks like when it's yeah. full and what does it sound like? You know, the sound of a football game is so distinctive, you know? And so it empty, well, you kind of see what the stadium looks like, but I don't know. It just kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good feel for it when they're not full. Yeah, that's a good point. Architecturally, it looked good, but you're right, man. How does it sound when you put uh, the sixty-five thousand or more inside of a, uh, out of a stadium? It may be a while before that happens. I always like the the Seahawks. Uh, that's a great a great perch to call a game. And they've got a great atmosphere up there too. But uh, nothing better than Arrowhead, pal. I noticed they built the uh, the ground level luxury suites in L.A. like they did in Dallas, which isn't surprising because right. the Rams owner is tight with the Cowboys owner, and I think he told them, "Hey, th- those people really like those. It's a little it's a little different, but it's a little bit like the bunker suites that the Jazz did when they right. remodeled the arena, which isn't just a Jazz thing. The Warriors, the Knicks, there's other teams doing it either in remodels or new arenas. Uh, but I find it interesting, and it must be because they have TVs in all of these now, because the view there isn't necessarily great, but the sound... I mean, obviously, if you're on the ground at one end of the field and there at the other end, you can't see a thing, right? But the sound, the fact that the players run by you coming on and off the field, there's something about the proximity that clearly gets the adrenaline pumping because people are definitely paying for these suites. They do in Dallas, and I'm sure they're going to, you know, for the Rams too. Yeah, well, you know, those are all corporate uh, money. And I don't even know, too. The only thing that bothers me sometimes about bunker suites is uh, when I've been around, you know, the NBA arenas now more than ever is that um, those bunker suites, sometimes the fans forget to come back to the floor after halftime. Yeah. And that because they are socializing, having a good time, and that they have a television that they can just watch while they sit and converse, right? Instead of being, why would you, I don't know. That's a whole other story. <laughs> you pay, when you pay that, but it's there to make a deal, a business deal, yes. I guess is, is what it's all yes. about. But at yes. the same time, you're missing the whole beauty of having those seats to be close to the game and to absorb the sounds of the game. Right. The but as someone told me about another stadium at another time, it's business to business. And yeah, you drop a thousand or five thousand, but if you close a two million or twenty million or two hundred million dollar deal, it's an investment. And if you mer- miss the first three and a half minutes of the third quarter, eh. I mean, everybody's out by the fourth quarter. Everybody's out then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Or, or they're walking out the door if we're up the staircase or out to the parking lot, depending on what the score is. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept of what it is. I mean, a lot of deals have been made in a lot of stadiums and arenas. We all know that. Bowler, we appreciate the time for that far-ranging discussion. Thanks for covering a lot of ground there. Yeah, it was fun. It's good stuff, and it's true. Uh, I, I hope we get into a, an arena sometime soon. Uh, that's the next step, and hopefully it's uh, safe. And I think uh, the house that Larry built needs a little sound and some fans back in it, and hopefully it's soon. Thanks, Bowler. See you soon.